0: From starting my first show, I made all the rookie mistakes. That's my point. Like, I was just overthinking this for so long. From working with so many different podcasters, I got this like behind-the-scenes look. You can monetize a podcast with 10 listeners. Just me, one woman show, I was just doing everything. And editing, show notes, so you need to be basically a copywriter, you need to schedule everything, you need to make the social media graphics and all that stuff what i did is i chose a few channels to be on and be super consistent on there same for pinterest it's also a search engine for podcasters who want to make a full-time income with podcasting then this is the question to ask yourself i do believe in download numbers but i don't believe in comparing download numbers to other people to other podcasters So my question is not really, how can you monetize your podcast? But my question for you is, how can you serve those people that are listening?
1: Welcome to Inside the Podcast Studio. The show we go behind the scenes with successful independent podcasters to teach and inspire you on your podcast journey. I'm your host Rob J and my guest in this episode is the host of the podcast babes, Anne Clarsen. I think the intro should have given away enough about what we're going to talk about in this episode. But just in case you're not already excited enough, you're going to hear about things like the benefits of using seasons for your podcast how to grow your show using Pinterest, the benefits of re-releasing older episodes of your show, why you shouldn't compare your download numbers to other podcasts, how to think about monetizing podcasts with small audiences, why you should pick and choose your social media channels, and much, much more. So with that said, here's my conversation with Anne. So the first question, so for people that are listening to this and they don't know who you are, or or something that's more intriguing than that, outside of podcasting, who is Anne Clarson?
0: Oh, very, very difficult question, of course, <laughs> funny things <laughs> to give you an idea of my life. Uh, I'm a digital nomad, so that is actually a huge part of my life. And that means that I travel a lot, usually when there's no pandemic going on, we switch countries every two or three months six months is the most that we'll stay in a country and then we just go to a different country, different Airbnb and basically start a new life there. So, um traveling and exploring is a big part of my life. And apart from that, I am really passionate about empowering women and financial independence for women. That is actually also a big part of my company and a mission that we have with the Podcast Babes, but also for me personally Um, I'm a little bit nerdy on like the financial podcast books and money mindset um, is something that I'm really um, interested in. So that is also kind of related to to my company, but also for me personally, just a big part of what I find interesting.
1: Okay, cool. All right. I I definitely want to touch. So I I want to touch on all the like podcast monetization things that you talk about. So you have a podcast um, and we have two podcasts, but you have a podcast about podcasting I guess the first question is how did you get into podcasting because you had a whole podcast business before you started the show right
0: yeah true um yeah so my my podcast story is not like most other podcasters because I worked for for other podcasters as a freelance podcast manager before I started my first show and the reason is um I wanted to find a way to work online I didn't want to do the corporate job and all that. I actually had the dream job lined up and I called them up a few months before I was supposed to start. I was like, you know what? Sorry, but this is just not for me. I don't want to do it. I started traveling, went backpacking in Southeast Asia, as we millennials do, uh, went to Australia and I did a working holiday there. And I had all these really crappy jobs. I worked on a strawberry farm I had a lot of time to think what I wanted to do in my life because I knew what I didn't want to do, like not in a corporate job. I always heard about this digital nomad life that people are living. I was like, I always said I want to do that later, like some some time in my life. I want to do that. And between the st- strawberries, I was like, you know what? This this is it. This is the time. If, if not now, then when? You know, like this famous quote. And that's when I took an online course. It was to become a virtual assistant. And one of the modules in the course was podcast management. So when I saw that, I always was a huge podcast junkie for that. Like I was always listening to podcasts. Um, so I was like, oh, this is actually pretty awesome that people can just do this as a job. So I kind of like niched down from virtual assisting into podcast management really early on, like right from the start, got my first clients, which was not as easy as it sounds. (laughs) It was actually a lot of work to getting the first few clients, but from there, it actually went pretty well. Um, So I worked as a freelance podcast manager for a few months. Then I started my first show, which is called Digital Nomad Stories. And from there, I pivoted my business renamed rebranded everything into the podcast babes
1: okay all right so so i definitely want to dig into some of the things that you do now because i had a look at the website um and like there's a bunch of stuff that looks super interesting right but before before we get to that kind of stuff so you decided to launch a podcast and my question would be i feel like maybe it's an obvious answer but maybe it's not which is you have a business around podcasting you're managing people's podcasts and then you rebrand and you decide along with the rebrand um that or as part of the rebrand that you're going to launch this show right so why did you decide to launch i guess the question is why did you decide to launch a podcast
0: so i always knew that i wanted to start a podcast about podcasting because i got so many questions from from clients from potential clients and i felt like from working with so many different podcasters i got this like behind the scenes look in different podcasts which was really interesting i learned so much from that and then also from starting my first show i made all the rookie mistakes um <laughs> i just made that myself um so i already knew like i wanted to start a show about podcasting and i mean it also kind of makes sense business-wise right but i felt this huge pressure like i do this for a living so it needs to be good it needs to be perfect because this will be what people see when day when they look me up on the internet so it needs to be absolutely perfect and professional and blah, blah, blah. so I was overthinking this for so long <laughs> and then when I did the whole rebrand and the business felt completely different it was finally it felt like it was finally the business that I wanted to, it to be it felt so aligned so I was like you know what this is this is the perfect time to do this and to give this a try and to start creating this content, so yeah, I just had i just i don't know I just went for it. I don't know, <laughs> but I should have done it way way sooner. um, that's my point, like I was just overthinking this for so long, and then i I just started I recorded a lot of solo episodes in the first season because that was the way that I made it like easy for myself to do it. I also didn't have a big launch for the podcast or anything, which is like, I always advise my clients to do that because it's it's good to get these numbers up in the first week. And it's easy if you want to rank somewhere, you know, all the stuff. But um, I didn't do that because it just, it was too hectic. Like the whole timing was so hectic. And I was like, if I'm not going to launch this thing, like if I'm not just putting out the first episode, I will never do it probably. So it's just like, okay, I'm just going to have like a pre- pretty silent launch of this podcast. I'll do this later. I- I'll launch season two and season three and whatever. Um, so yeah, I um, I didn't do the perfect thing. And the first season is not as good as the third season. But I was like, if I don't start now, I will never start.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I feel like the perfect thing is something that like you you're... you're- you know, a professional in the space, so you feel extra pressure. But I think most people put themselves under that pressure, like, oh, if I release podcast, it needs to look like this. And it never looks like that. Even like this, right? This is my second podcast, and I've got like 40 episodes under my belt with another show. And this show, I know as soon as it comes out, I'm going to be like, that wasn't good. And so it's just like it's a learning experience, right? That's just how it develops. I feel like that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I decided to just make this part of my brand as well. I'm not the person who knows absolutely everything, but I have learned and made mistakes and tried out a bunch of things and I can tell you about it. That's my brand. It's not that I know everything because that's just not true. And I think no one does.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I have a question, um, which I'm kind of like, aside from the podcast topic, but it's interesting to me is, so you said, and when you rebranded like you, your business felt much more, you know, aligned. So like, what were the changes or what was the difference between like before and after that, that made you feel like this is, this is the thing.
0: Everything is, is different at uh, literally like every aspect of it. So before that I just did podcast management, it was freelance. So it was just me, one woman show and I was just doing everything and I didn't like it, um, I am not the perfect podcast manager because podcast management is all these different aspects. It's editing, show notes. So you need to be basically a copywriter. You need to schedule everything. You need to make the social media graphics and all that stuff. And I was good at some of the things and I was not good at other things. Um And I also, I got a little bit bored to be honest. <laughs> My clients' podcasts were awesome and I loved editing it. But then all the other stuff, I just... <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it as much anymore. So I knew that something had to change and a lot of things happened, um, at the start of COVID with the pandemic. My biggest client let me go and she actually breached a contract. So she didn't even pay me for last month, which was not great because it was the, it was a huge chunk of my income. And I was also like, this is not really sustainable because I'm too dependent on clients. Um, so something had to change there as well. And then I, so I started thinking about, okay, how can I do this? I can create an agency or like one through all the business models that are pretty common now, um, in online business. But I decided what I really like to do is to tell people about the things that I saw working for all these clients, the, the experience that I had with my podcast and to share my knowledge. Um, I always liked like teaching and, you know, like stuff like that, just sharing stories and um, learnings. That is what really lights me up. Uh, So I decided to pivot more into that space, more like the educational space. So I started offering mentorships. I launched a mastermind and I created an online course. So that is what we have now. But with that whole pivot, I also realized like the brand just needed to be different. And it kind of went simul- simultaneously that I was like, okay, I was changing the brand and then the offers just, I don't know, changed with it. It just was kind of like one big thing, like everything changed. Um, but I didn't really expect, I was like, oh, you know what? I already have a business. I already know people in the in this space. So I can just continue building my business, um, but... Actually, I had to kind of start over with my whole marketing because people were like, what's this? Like the podcast babes, who are they? So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of tough to be honest to do that whole rebrand because everything was business. It was different inside the business, but also from the outside. So I had to start over with marketing as well. So that was an interesting time, (laughs) but I'm so glad that I did.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So you put the show out season one, didn't do a fancy launch or anything like that. Just like record the stuff, let's get it out and then we'll take it from there. So when it got to season two, did you do, did you have a launch strategy for that? Like how did that change like over time? Cause you're on season three. No, you're, you're gearing up for season four now, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So between season one and season two, I didn't really do a big launch. I just decided to um keep going. I decided to not take a break between seasons. But um still like working in seasons has worked really well for me because in season one, I like you said, I batched the whole season. And while we were releasing the episodes, I was just looking at stats, I was talking to people, I heard it. Comments coming in and uh, just like feedback coming in. And I just saw what was happening and that people were like, they liked certain episodes and I didn't like others and like what was working and what was not working. So then for season two, I was like, you know what? This is awesome. I just want to keep going, but I'm going to do more interviews because I just enjoyed that so much. And um, in season two, I decided to do two episodes every week. I did that in is that true? Yeah, I think so. And in season three, I did the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I went from one episode per week. to two episodes per week. And then in between season two and three, I did take a break for a few weeks, and I did a little bit of a launch. And now, uh, like you said, we're gearing up towards um, season four, and we are doing a bigger launch this time. And the break is also longer. So I'm just, I'm just like trying out different things as well. Um, but in between season two and three, there was definitely a peak in download numbers. In the break, the download numbers didn't go down as much because there were still a lot of people just finding the podcast and then just binge listening to all of the previous episodes. And, um, now there's like a more of a loyal listener base. So I see that the numbers went down a little bit, but I'm actually re-releasing some episodes some previous episodes because now we have 56 episodes out there in in the podcast space so and there are some episodes that were a while back well ago that they went out and now I'm like you know what they're still so relevant and I think there's such interesting good content for people for podcasters but if people find my show now they're not scoring through 56 episodes
1: they might be because i did but i feel like then you pick and choose what you want right so you might breeze past a really good one because the title doesn't speak to you but when you listen to it you would be like oh this is really great
0: yeah yeah exactly so there are a few episodes that i really want to highlight and i decided to take this break to get some new eyes and ears on existing content as well, because it's all there and there's still some that I'm like really proud of. And I think this is awesome for people to listen to. So that's why, yeah, now for the, for four weeks, we are re-releasing, um, older episodes and then the news, it's also like building up to a launch for season
1: four. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. So I want to just jump into a couple of things. So the first thing that you mentioned was you got feedback from season one, that kind of helped you shape, you know, season two. Maybe I should do more of this. So, in, in what like kind of form did that feedback come? Because I feel like a lot of people don't get actual feedback; they just look at download numbers. Right? If it goes up, it must be good. If it goes down, it wasn't good. So, like, how do you, like how did you gather that feedback? And and what kind of platforms and stuff did you use for that?
0: Yeah, um, it can be difficult because there's not that much data that you get from your hosting platform usually, and especially when it's your first season, you don't know what's what's average like what are your average download numbers you don't have an average download number yet um so i just reached out to if people tell me oh i listen to your podcast okay cool then i want to ask you a few questions <laughs> so i try to not jump on it like that but i'm <laughs> kind of like very excited because then i'm like oh i know that you're a listener okay <laughs> so i always ask what did you like about what you what you heard and are is there a specific episode that you really liked so that i can see if I can create more content like that. So that is something that if someone tells me to listen to the podcast, I always ask this because it's just such valuable information. But it can be difficult. Sometimes you don't really know, especially if it's your first season. But when you're launching a podcast, usually you get some, I don't know, comments on social media or people reaching out or something like that. So yeah, always follow up with these people and ask more questions because... It's awesome because you know who's listening, and usually you cannot really know that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good tactic. And then also, you mentioned that, um, like towards the end of season two, you know, your download numbers start to go up. So, what do you attribute to that? Because if you didn't, you didn't do a like a big launch for one, you didn't do a big launch for two. So, like, what do you attribute to kind of getting the word out and then then those numbers going up?
0: Um, yeah. Sometimes it's also difficult to know where people are coming from exactly. Like, do they find it on social media? Do they find it on Pinterest or? What I did is I chose a p- few channels to be on. So um for me, that's Instagram, Pinterest, and I have blog posts on my website. That's where you can find my podcast. That's where people in general can find my podcast. And I decided to just pick those three and be super consistent on there. Like you can do all the things, like you can do TikTok and YouTube and there's a million ways to promote your podcast. And I decided to just pick three, hone in on that, be super consistent. And um, I was hoping for that like snowball effect that people can just um uh, like more and more people find my podcast on those three channels. And I think a reason why I chose for these three channels is not, I mean, Instagram is pretty like important for my brand. That's where a lot of my clients are. But then um, blog posts on my website about the episodes are really good for SEO. So I want people to I want to build the SEO for my website so that people find me through Google. And same for Pinterest. It's also a search engine. So these are just very interesting like these people who find your podcast on Pinterest or on Google, they're super interested because they have a problem and you're solving that problem with your free content. So they're like super invested, um, in, in basically in your brand already, because you are giving all this free information to them that they need because they're searching for it. So that's pretty awesome. And that's why I chose these three channels and especially SEO and Pinterest, it builds up over time. Like on Instagram, you have to keep posting. And if you don't post, like not many people are going to see it, but Um, blog posts, they will just reach more people and more people and more people, even if you don't do anything with it anymore, because it's there, it's out there on the internet and people can find it forever. So I think that's, that's a decision that I, that I made in the beginning to just start doing that right away. And I think that worked really well. And that's also why I saw that increase in download numbers. Mm,
1: Okay. All right. So, so I want to, I want to get your thoughts on download numbers, but something that I'm interested in, which I've heard you talk about, but I also haven't heard anybody else talk about is, um, using Pinterest to promote your show because nobody, I've heard nobody except for you talk about that. So can you just like dig into that a little bit and like I know you touched on it there but like specifically how do you go about it because I would think like and this might be me not being a Pinterest user like for me to get people to have a look at my show I would have to post you know food or some something something that's like a beautiful picture that somebody's going to find by accident and be like oh this guy also has a podcast but obviously that's not what you're doing so how do you go about that
0: Yeah. When I started, I had no idea. (laughs) So so what I did was um, I invited someone who knows a lot about Pinterest on my show to talk about Pinterest for podcasters. And that is one of my most downloaded episodes ever. So I think more people have this question. And she explained literally what to do. (laughs) And what she explained is that it's kind of similar to SEO. Um, So for blog posts, you need keywords for Pinterest. So you should do keyword research for Pinterest. Like, how do you want people to find your show? What is it about? What are like the most important keywords? And then what is important for this specific episode that you have? And then you use that in the title, in the description, in the URL. And that is how how your stuff gets found. But what you also told me, because I tried Pinterest for like a few weeks and I was like, it's not working. But what she also told me in that in that uh, interview is that it can take a while (laughs) so you just have to keep going and that was also super valuable information for me because I was like okay it's not working never mind I'll just do something else but she said it can take up to six months and now I'm at that I'm past that six month time frame and I'm like yeah it's definitely (laughs) working (laughs) Uh, but i do want to say like it's um it's important that that you think about is is your audience even on pinterest because if your audience is males that are 50 years and older they're probably not on pinterest but especially female audiences are on pinterest a lot so Yeah, it also depends on your audience. I don't want to say that everyone needs to be on on Pinterest, but there's also a lot of business and podcast related content on there. So if you have a business podcast or life coaching or about podcasting like your show, it can definitely be interesting to be on Pinterest.
1: Okay, all right. That's definitely something that I'm going to have to look into because yeah, right now I'm just like, I I, I understand how to use Instagram. So I'm just going to stick with that. And also, because I'm not a big social media person. So I just like, I need to stick with one. Otherwise I won't do any of them. But for for sure, like Pinterest sounds interesting and I like doing things that other people are not doing because then, you know, it's like to your point, then you get to become like kind of an expert in that, right? You're probably the expert about how do you promote your podcast on Pinterest right now, so. Just a quick interruption and then we'll get right back to the conversation. I just wanted to tell you, if you haven't yet subscribed and followed this podcast in your podcast app of choice, then make sure you go and do that so you don't miss a future episode of Inside the Podcast Studio and also make sure you hit that auto download button so as soon as an episode is released it will get downloaded straight to your device and it's ready for you to listen and now let's get back to the conversation all right cool so i want to talk about monetization um but before we get to that so something that i ask a lot of my all of my guests and i get varying degrees of answers is about download numbers right and some people you know they they'll share their numbers some people um like well to be fair a lot of the people that i've spoken to have no interest in download numbers which has definitely led me to believe that's probably the right decision. But I would like to get your thoughts, because when you filled out the questionnaire, it was like, Do you would you share your download numbers? And you was like, No, because I don't believe in download numbers, and you cannot ask me about this on the podcast. So I'm gonna ask you about this now. Why do you not believe in download numbers? And and secondary to that, if people don't look at download numbers, how do they gauge, you know, the show is doing well or not doing well or people are interested?
0: Mm-hmm. So I do believe in download numbers, but I don't believe in comparing download numbers to other people. Okay. To other podcasters. Right,
1: right, right. Because
0: the thing is, my podcast is for podcasters. There are about 2 million podcasts in the world. So my potential audience is maybe 2 million people. If you are, um, a life coach and you have a podcast about life coaching, the whole world is a potential listener. So I can compare my download numbers to some of my clients' download numbers, but it doesn't mean that their podcast is performing better at all because we just have completely different audiences. And I see so many people in podcasting groups on Facebook ask, Oh, I had this many downloads in my first week. Is this good? Is this bad? What does this mean? It doesn't mean anything. I think. What's important in download numbers is to look at your own previous download numbers and your own current download numbers and to see if it's going up or down if it's staying or if it's staying the same. So I think comparing yourself to other people, download numbers are like likes on Instagram. It doesn't say anything. Um I'm way more interested in how you are um reaching more and more people. So if your download numbers are increasing and what you are doing with the people who are there. So if you have ten download number, ten download numbers, ten listeners, that means that ten people listen to your podcast, which is awesome. What do you What do you do to serve them? How like you can monetize a podcast with ten listeners because it's ten people who would potentially buy from you or I don't know do something that you want them to do. So it also doesn't doesn't mean anything. Like you can have two million downloads. And make zero dollars or you can have a hundred downloads and make thousand dollars so it doesn't really say anything
1: I, i i really like that answer because i think that the idea that it kind of only matters to you and not in comparison would help a lot of people understand like okay it's not about is it good or bad it's about if it trends up then i'm probably doing the right thing so I think that's a great answer, but to to jump into the monetization, because you mentioned it there, the ways when I started podcasting was that you get ads, right? You get sponsors and you get ads and those, and generally speaking, if you have a small show, you know, maybe like, even if you have a small show, it's really hard to get sponsors, but if you did get sponsors, they're paying you $30 forever. That's it. You get $30 that, that ad lives in your episode forever. And then if your, if your ad and if your episode ends up getting, you know, 2 million listeners in three years time. They still get that audience and they pay $20, right? So it's not like a lucrative business. So if you have, say you have 100 listeners, right? Or 10 listeners, like like a small amount. How does somebody approach monetizing that podcast? And then I assume we're not talking about ads.
0: So my question is not really how can you monetize your podcast? But my question for you is how can you serve those people that are listening?
1: Yeah, gotcha.
0: Um, so for some podcasters, that means that, um, having, selling something, so an online course or an ebook or a coaching program. Um, but I think it's about your audience. What do they want from you? Because you're giving out this free content. How can you serve them even more? How can you give them a bigger transition or I don't know, help them with a transformation or give, get them closer to a goal that they have. Or to solving a problem that they have. So that is for podcasters who are open to make this a business. Who want to make um, a full-time income with podcasting, then this is the question to ask yourself. If you are a podcaster and you just do this as a hobby, that's completely fine. And you don't need to have the whole business around the podcast. Um, it is the most profitable way to monetize your podcast, I believe. Um, but if you just want to keep podcasting and just want some income, but it's not that Im- it's like doesn't have to be your full time gig. Then I think sponsorships can be interesting if you make a brand deal with a sponsor. So like you said, if you just have an ad, you just add, add it to your show and it just lives there forever. Yeah, it's not really, it's not really profitable, but if you can, if you have, even if you have a very niche podcast, this works so well, then you can reach out to a brand and you can say, hey, I have this podcast and I have this super niche audience, which is exactly the audience that you're trying to reach. And I don't just have this show. I don't just, just have these listeners, but I also have an Instagram and an email list. You add that all in there, because if you send out an email to your list saying, hey, I have a new episode out, These people will also see or hear the ad or see the name of the sponsor. So that also counts. And then you can, you can negotiate a deal. And most profitable is to negotiate a deal for six months or a year so that you don't have to do that for every episode again. You can do like a trial episode and then do a six month or a year if you're new, but. I think that could be interesting for podcasters. If you just want to keep podcasting, don't worry about all the business stuff and creating digital products or coaching people or whatever. I totally understand if that is not your thing, but then this is also a really good opportunity. Um, and to also make it profitable, it can be, it can really be a win-win also for your listeners. If you, if you choose a brand that really aligns with your brand and with your listeners, then, then it can be a win-win-win.
1: All right. Yeah. I I like that answer. I I, I think the idea of can you provide value and then figure out the rest later speaks much better to people. I think people only hear the messages of where, you know, monetization involves being paid for something. It essentially involves selling something that maybe your listeners don't want. And I think, yeah, if, if you approach it with the idea of value, then that definitely speaks to people. So I really like that answer. So there's different avenues to do stuff, right? But in terms of providing value, you know, you obviously talk you talk to your audience if you can and say, you know, what is it they're interested in? But then say, let's say I have a podcast about, um, I don't know, knitting, right? And I have a hundred listeners and I would like to be able to monetize it, but I want to provide value. Like, how do you approach that? How do I find out what people want that they'd be willing to pay for as opposed to just like trying to sell stuff to them and see what sticks?
0: Mm hmm. Well, if you're on social media, that's a great way to find out. Like on Instagram stories, there is, it's such an easy way to ask a question, make a little poll or like the quizzes that they have. And it's, it's really low key. They could just answer really quickly. It's not a lot of, not a lot of hassle or anything, but not everyone who listens to your show is on, on Instagram or on social media. Or doesn't follow you maybe so another great way to do this is to add a questionnaire to your show notes and the thing here is how many people got to answer that can be tricky like it, it is possible that not that many people will actually fit it out but um if you have the budget to give people a five dollar starbucks gift card or like amazon gift card or whatever that could be an incentive for people to actually it out so that you get more uh, response to your questionnaire um so or and i mean you're your diehard fans they will definitely fill it out and they're also the most likely to buy stuff from you so that's also very valuable information um so that's a way and also ask your email list that's also I think people on your email list are also I mean at least I'll speak for my email list they reply more than uh just people filling out a questionnaire in show notes but these are three ways to use that you can ask your your audience questions about how can I serve you better what do you want to see on a podcast or what do you want to see like outside of the podcast how can i how can I give you even more to solve a problem that you that you are already solving on a podcast but how to take that next step
1: Okay, cool. All right. So, is there anything in monetization that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask?
0: Well, I think the thing with monetization is there are a million ways to monetize your podcast. And it's not just sponsorships, what many podcasters think. So, I just (sighs) want to bring that awareness that there are different ways to monetize your podcast. And it can really look like it can look the way you want it. So, if you want to put in a lot of work and a lot of effort, for your audience, and to give them a lot, you can. But if you're like, okay, but I don't want to make an ebook, you don't have to.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, and to that point, you have an ebook, right? About, I think it's like five ways to monetize or something like that.
0: Yeah. So my ebook <laughs> is free for you to download and uh, you can find it at thepodcastvaves.com forward slash ebook. All right. Awesome.
1: All right. So uh, I've got some like quick fire questions. So what is your hosting platform? Buzzsprout. Where did you get your logo?
0: Um, it's, uh, it's made for me by a really good friend and graphic designer, Pippa.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. If you, if you ping me her Instagram or something, I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes. People want to yeah, check it out. Yeah,
0: I'll do that. Yeah. All
1: right, cool. Um, what microphone are you using right now?
0: I am using a Rode anti-USB.
1: And then um, a final quickfire question, which is what are your top three favorite podcasts that you're listening to right now?
0: Oh, no, don't ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to name my client ones because they're awesome. So one of my clients, um, their podcast is called Meet Bridget, and it is made for teenage girls. And it's all about gaining confidence, being um, good communicators and um, community. Um, I'm not a teenage girl, but... I love the interviews that they have with very inspiring women. Um, So I love listening to those. Um, I added them myself because I just enjoy it so much. (laughs) Then uh, another podcast that I, and also a client that I love listening to is called Second Wind. And the host Wendy, she also interviews uh, inspiring women, but she inspires women um, like 40 years plus. and it's really interesting because all these women are in their second wind so they had a huge I don't know transition in their life and it's so interesting to hear what they've been through and she had one episode recently with um, she's adopted and she found her birth mother and she also found she she heard that she had two brothers but she wasn't, I don't know, wasn't allowed to contact them, and she did anyways, because she found out that one of her brothers was in a transition to actually become a woman. So her sibling is a trans woman, and she interviewed her on the show, and it was, I had goosebumps throughout the whole episode. It was, wow, I just kind of wanted to cry, (laughs) because it was just so interesting to hear her speak, and so inspiring. So that one for sure. And number three. Um the podcast that probably had the biggest impact on my life um is called Zero to Travel.
1: And I actually it is all-to listen to that. I, I know that one. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, I just love his show. I think it's again so inspiring and I love his content. It's a lot about full-time travel, but also van life, digital nomad life, adventure travel. He has I I love this podcast.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. Three really good picks and and I'll find those and I'll throw them in the show notes as well. Um, I have have one question about when you edit a show, which is, it just popped into my head now, which is when you edit a show, are you editing just for, you know, making it sound good, taking out like the ums and ahs and stuff, or do you also edit the show for content? And the reason that I ask is because I imagine if you're listening to a show that you're editing that you really like. Like, it would be really difficult to be like, this bit needs to go. This bit needs to go. It needs to be, (laughs) you know, this time slot or whatever. So, so how do you, like, do you edit just for like the the basics or do you also have to edit content?
0: Uh, depending on a client, but there, I, I also, for some clients, I also, um, added a content and can be challenging. But I also, um, I also think it actually makes the content better. Sometimes um, interviews go on for a pretty long time about a certain topic, but it's not necessarily like the main topic of the interview. And as a listener, you just want to get to the main topic and you want to learn more about this. The reason why you started listening. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have that struggle that I that I feel bad for the leading parts of the content because I know it it makes it actually makes it better.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Awesome. That's a great way to look at it. Okay, cool. All right. So uh, just, just in closing, so one other question around your podcast, which is, is is there one thing or can you name one thing that you've done with your show that impacted it for the better?
0: I really used the show to um, expand my network of amazing podcasters. um, That is by doing interviews. And that has definitely made a, big change in my business just because I get to know so many people through the show and I love that it's it's I just makes it it makes it so much more fun for me it's not just me rambling on to my microphone and just having all these solo episodes I mean I the solo episodes actually get get more downloads than interviews usually um I didn't expect that but it's true um But I keep doing interviews because I just like it so much. And I think expanding my network that way has had a really big impact on my business and on my show. Um, And I also ask guests if they know anyone else who would be a good fit for my show. And that that has also had a really good impact on my show. That gave, gave me the opportunity to have some pretty big names on a show that otherwise I wouldn't necessarily reach out to. So Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a really great approach. I thought about doing that when I started this show. And then to be completely honest, I didn't write the question down. So I totally forgot until just now. So I'm, I'm definitely going to do that going forward because that sounds like a great way to do it. So whoever's listening now is a podcaster or they want to be a podcaster. So what is one piece of advice that you would give them from your experience in the podcast space?
0: Um, I would say enjoy the ride it is it can be a lot of work and it can be tough because you see your download numbers going down maybe and you're like ah or not going up which is also not great and then you feel like no one is listening and i definitely had this especially with my first podcast digital nomad stories after a few episodes this was really my passion project and after a few episodes, I just didn't see the increase in download numbers that I wanted. And I just stopped because I was like, why am I putting all this time into this? No one is listening. And I started again with that podcast and it's still not where I want it to be as in like growth. So not necessarily download numbers like we talked about already, but the growth is not there where I want it to be. But I just, and I just started enjoying this so much Because it's not about the outcome anymore for me. It's more about just having fun in the process of recording, of editing, putting it out there, just getting all like getting feedback from people who listen to the show. Funny thing, my partner is actually my biggest fan. He listens to my new episode every Monday in the car. (laughs) And then he tells me, oh, I listened to your podcast. I love it so much. Um, And that also makes, I mean, it's so random. I mean, but it makes it so much fun to just hear that feedback even though like he he'll probably like anything i just put on a show because it's kind of his job right to like everything that i put out but still like it's it's um it makes it so much more enjoyable so find a way to enjoy the whole process even if the numbers aren't there even if you feel like no one's listening make it fun for yourself that has yeah has been my biggest tip
1: Awesome, awesome advice. And then, the final question: Which is, if somebody's going to go and listen to your show, and you get to pick one episode that you would tell them to go and listen to, what is the one episode that they should go and check out?
0: Well, I got a, I got really good feedback on a on a one about Pinterest. Um, I have one, I have two episodes with the same guest. Actually, she was on season two and on season three. In season two, we we talked about Pinterest. It's called Pinterest for podcasters, and it's all about. Setting up Pinterest and how to use Pinterest for your podcast. Um, she also came back in season three and we talked about um using Pinterest ads. Not many not everyone knows this probably, but there's not just Facebook ads, but there's also Pinterest ads. And they are generally speaking a little bit um cheaper even than Facebook ads. So if you have a budget for marketing your podcast, that could be a, that could be a tip for you to also listen to that episode. Um yeah, I, I think that's the, and also I get a lot of questions about monetization. I have a few episodes about that. So um, yeah, maybe that as well.
1: Awesome, awesome. All right, so final, final question. And um, where can people find you online? Where can they find out more about the po- podcast babes? All that good stuff.
0: Yeah, so my website is thepodcastbabes.com. Um, and there, I mean, everything is there <laughs> about me. <laughs> um, I'm also on Instagram at thepodcastbabes. Facebook at The Podcast Babes, Pinterest at The Podcast Babes. I am kind of on Clubhouse, but not really. So you won't find me there often, but I'm also at The Podcast Babes. Um, yeah, my podcast is in all the podcast apps. It's called The Podcast Babes.
1: <laughs> Big thanks to today's guest, Anne Clarsen. You can find her on Instagram, Pinterest, and on her website. All the links are in the show notes, or you can go to insidethepod.co slash episode 8. And of course, make sure you check out her podcast, The Podcast Babes. If you're a podcaster or wanna be podcaster, then that is content that you definitely want to hear. And again, all the links for all of that are in the show notes. Okay, so this week, my podcast highlight of the week is actually a little bit of a cheat. I'm going to highlight the process that I use to actually make this podcast. So, By day, I am an app developer and I just recently took on two contracts simultaneously. So essentially I'm working two day jobs and I had to come up with a plan of how I can keep this podcast rolling while I'm doing two day jobs. And I came up with a little checklist of all the things that I need to do for this show to make sure that you can hear the episode every Tuesday on time like clockwork. So I just wanted to run you through my checklist in case that's something that helps other people with their show, if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or you're feeling like your podcast is always creeping up on you and it just seems like you're constantly churning out episodes and trying to keep up, then maybe this is something that would help. So the way that I do my show, the first thing that I do is when I'm starting to get ready for a next episode is I import all of the audio for that episode into my DAW, my digital audio workstation. I use Reaper personally. I import all of that stuff and then the first thing that I do is I apply all the filters and stuff that I normally use. So I apply Um, Noise reduction to remove all that unwanted background noise. I apply compressors. I apply a noise gate to remove any unwanted sounds. So, you know, just small background sounds. A lot of it is like uh, mouth clicking or breathing noises. It helps reduce all of that without me having to go through the episode and like manually reduce those noises, reduce breathing sounds and all that kind of stuff. I then add two compressors. So I add a compressor against the whole track to bring the volume of the track down to the level of normal speech. And then I also add a second compressor on top of that, which is quite aggressive, which would basically pull down any peaks lower down. So you might notice when you have a compressor that there's still peaks in your speech, which means when you try and raise the volume up for the final mastering, you'll notice that some of it clips because it was already too loud to start with. So having a second compressor that's super aggressive on really high peaks helps to keep that down and keep the entire waveform and sound uniform. As soon as that's done, my, my audio is ready to edit. So I do that. It takes me between 10 and 20 minutes. And now my audio is ready to edit. So I do that first because now it means anytime I have spare time, I can just jump into my DAW, start editing parts of the conversation, knowing that everything else, you know, the EQ, the compression, all of that is right. Next thing I do is obviously edit the conversation. So, you know, I go through the whole thing. I pull out parts I don't want. I shorten some parts. I clean some stuff up, all that kind of stuff. And what I do is as I go through editing the episode... I add, um, so in Audacity you can add labels, in Reaper you can add markers, I'm sure in DAW, in other DAWs you can add other things, but you can basically write some text at a certain point in the timeline, so what I'll do is as I'm listening, if I hear something that I'm like, oh this would make for a really good social media post, I'll just add a little marker that says, you know, social media, or if I'm like, oh this would make for really good content to put in the intro, so obviously at the start of this episode, you have like a 60 second intro with clips from the show. As I'm going through, especially like, so, for example, in this episode, if Anne says something that I thought was really interesting and would get somebody's interest, I'll just add a little marker there and say intro. So when I'm done editing the episode, I open up my video editor, I pull in the Riverside FM video files into the editor, and then I'll go through my edited recording, find all the flags where I'd marked for social media content, and then I would find that same timestamp in the video and then edit out that clip, which I can then use to post on Instagram. I might want to upload stuff to YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So that all gets done before the episode is even finished. Now, as soon as that's done, the next thing I do is I go through those clips that I have, and I take uh, essentially screenshots of the video, which I then use for the graphics. So if you go on my Instagram, inside the pod studio, you will see each episode has its own graphic with the title, the guest, and then there'll be this cool artistic image of the guest and that image is basically clipped from the video and then I run it through an app called Prisma which then lets you apply cool art cool arty type filters to make it look nice so once all that is done I then go onto my website I create a post with all the links I need so you know every guest tells me their top three episode uh, top three favorite podcasts I make sure I get links to them I make sure I get links to all this Instagram and their websites, and anything they're promoting. I make sure I get links to anything we talk about. So if they're using a specific microphone in the quickfire round when I ask them, I'll make sure I link that up, all that kind of stuff. And then once that's created, I then copy and paste that post that I made straight into my podcast hosting platform because then that way the show notes are identical on both the website and on the hosting platform. And then I go ahead and I do what I'm doing right now, which is I record the introduction, I record the thank yous, I record the end of the episode and I record this little segment. And then I go back and I edit this, which doesn't take very long because it's a very short amount of editing to do. And then I add that all into the episode, move stuff around, render it, upload it to my podcast host. And then every Tuesday morning, I hit the publish button on this episode so that you get it exactly when you're supposed to get it. So that's a little bit behind the scenes. There is a little bit more to it in terms of the video stuff and how I go about the process. And I'm thinking about putting together... Some videos or some separate podcast episodes to kind of walk you through what I do. So if anybody's wondering how I do what I do, I think video is probably more appropriate. Then I'm thinking about putting that together. So if that's something that you're interested in or you'd be interested in seeing, then please let me know at inside the Pod studio on Instagram or Rob at insidethepod.co on email and let me know if that's something you're interested in and if there is anything specifically about the process of creating this episode that you're interested in hit me up there as well and let me know i would love to know what you think i would love to get your feedback and i would like to know how i can serve you better going forward so if you drop me either a dm or an email let me know what it is that you would like to know from me and from this podcast and i'll make sure i can make that happen And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at insidethepod.co slash donate or by hitting the link in the show notes. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And also make sure you hit that auto download button so the next episode will be downloaded straight to your device and ready to go. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Inside the Podcast Studio.
0: I mean, I'm in my sister's childhood bedroom, so I cannot say much about it. professional <laughs> podcast studio.
1: I mean, I'm standing inside a wardrobe, and this is a bedsheet to cover up the clothes behind me. So, you know, this is how we have to make it happen, right? This is how we get good sound. We do the best we can.
0: Exactly. This is a real behind the scenes. <laughs> it's not the glamorous podcast life. <laughs> yeah
1: a coffee and
0: coding production. <sighs>